warrior, if you put on the belt of truth, if you're going to stand firm, you have to submit to truth in your life, even if you don't feel like it. You have to decide whether you are going to declare and believe that this is the authoritative word of God. Stand firm. Satan tries to whisper lies into your ear every single day about you. He's the author of all lies. We're gonna sing a song called Sons and Daughters. Many of us are guilty of believing the lies over the truth of God's word. By living according to the truth and the power of God, you can break generational curses. Then you are truly free to be the person God's called you to be. So gird yourself, strap truth around your life. New Hope, how you guys doing? You doing all right? You comfortable? Yeah, you good? How's the temperature? You good? Huh? Huh? Everything good? Complacent American Christianity, right? Meet my needs. Hey, uh, I'm just kidding with you. I'm just kidding. I'm so glad you are here today. Uh, if you're new, my name is... Um, Benji, most folks call me pastor unless I teach messages like I did last week and then they call me all kinds of other names. <laughs> like for real. Um, and uh, I just wanted to let you know if you missed last week, it really is important to build on this week and you can get the message in our resource center at all of our campuses. But uh, last week we went where very few people go and uh, I just wanted to say thank you, thank you, thank you to those of you who um, have encouraged me this week. As my executive pastor told me, Last week after Sunday, he goes, you know, after messages like that, most people think the senior pastor gets a bunch of compliments when in reality, what he normally gets is a lot of criticism. And I want to thank those of you who just said, Pastor, thank you, thank you, thank you for preaching the word of God in a day and age when things are really slipping in a big kind of way. For, I got a text from, from this person. He said, a powerful word today, Pastor. Thank you for standing firm in the truth of the word. Just, just a few words went so far to encourage me to keep doing my best to preach this word of God to the people of God in the house of God. Amen. Amen. And then, and then he went on, he sent me his prayer journal and this is what really got me jazzed because it's all about God and it's all about God's word. He says this, I declare, he, he wrote at the bottom of his prayer journal, this was his prayer. I declare God's love over my home and I kick the devil in his teeth in the name of Jesus. He says, Satan, there is no room for you in my house, in my heart. Then he names his wife in his wife's heart. And then he started naming his children in this child's heart. Satan, there's no room for you in this child's heart. Satan, there's no room in this child. He just kept going. He, his quiver is full. He, he's got a lot of kids. And then he said this, we kick you out in the name of Jesus. 
May your schemes be stomped out by the love that God has filled us up with. We have no room for you in this house. There's no room for your fear. There's no room for your shame, your sadness, your regret, your depression, for your fear is drowned out in perfect love. He starts quoting scripture. Perfect love, perfect love, perfect love. We kick you out of our lives today in the name of Jesus, amen. Now, that's not... That's not preacher talk. That's not pastor talk. That's a new hoper who is getting into this series. And as someone told me last night in Chapel Hill, we ran into them. They said, man, this is a game changer. Welcome to Battle Ready Part 3. Would you welcome all the campuses, 10 of them? Let them know we love you. Give it up. We welcome all of you. We are glad. You are here. Go ahead and open up your Bibles to Ephesians chapter 6. Let's go get this in a hurry today and see what God has in store for us. As I read the, the text from my friend and a few others, I actually had this thought. I had this thought, one of my favorite quotes. This is not really about the message, but this is really about the series. And I just wanted you to hear this quote. A.W. Tozer, one of my favorite greats of the Christian faith, he said this, a fearful world needs a fearless church. Say that with me. A fearful world needs a... That's what Battle Ready is all about. Battle Ready is about equipping you and equipping me to put on the full armor of God so that we can stand firm against the schemes of the enemy and so that we can live victorious, offensive lives, not defeated, defensive lives. Offense, taking territory, being the man and the woman that God has called us to be because we have strapped on the armor of God. Everybody say, good morning, Maximus. Y'all gotta do a little better now. He, 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 he's a little insecure today. He, he needs some love. Everybody say, good morning, Maximus. Good morning. This is Maximus, man. He, um, he's getting a little more dressed every single week. If you were here last week, you'll remember this. If you weren't, again, pick it up in the Resource Center. But last week, we talked about the belt of truth. And we talked about the fact that we live in a day and age where everyone is trying to convince you that there really is no such thing as objective truth. And you can have your truth and I can have mine and it doesn't matter if they're diametrically opposed to one another because as long as it's your truth and it's my truth, it's truth. Oh, no, it's not. There is an objective truth. That was last week. This week, we're gonna talk about the breastplate of righteousness and the order in which Paul lays these pieces of armor out is very important. So you don't wanna miss a single Sunday. Ephesians chapter six, verses 10 through 20. If you're ready for the word of the Lord, say, bring it. Amen. I love this church. Here we go. Oh, oh, I got it. See, the, the beauty of doing a TV like this is that you can't get out of order. <laughs> hey, remember, I've been telling you, most people will, will have tried to convince you that there are six pieces of armor if you grew up in the church. There's not six pieces of armor. There's how many? Seven. And I've been reminding you that the seventh piece of armor is what? Yeah, I know. It's a little hard not to miss it. It's prayer. But prayer is the one that links all the other pieces of armor together and prayer is the one that unleashes the fearless church in the world. So keep 
praying, praying, praying. Pray for one another. Pray for me. What time are you praying? I'm just thank you. You're an amazing group of people. 114, Acts 114, they prayed together without ceasing. It's an unbelievable verse of scripture. And I want you to know this as we get into it. Prayer is not preparation for the battle. Prayer is where the battle takes place. In the heavenly realms, in the spiritual realms, prayer, prayer, prayer. Ready? Finally be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on the what? Put on the what? Full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world and against the spiritual forces. There are spiritual forces battling in the world today. Kingdoms are clashing. Good versus evil. Truth versus lies. They're clashing and they're trying to win your attention. They're trying to win you over. Battle ready is about learning to discern what the enemy is up to so that I live my life for him. Forces of the evil in the heavenly realms, therefore, everybody say therefore. Therefore, therefore put on the full armor of God so that when the day of, day of what? Some people don't even like to talk about evil anymore. That some people don't even acknowledge that there is such a thing as evil. There is evil in our world today. Satan is alive and well on planet earth. So that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground. And after you have done everything to stand, stand a little more. <laughs> stand firm then with the what? belt of truth buckled around your waist and put on the breastplate of righteousness. The breastplate of righteousness. So what I wanna do today is I wanna talk to you about two words. Two words. The first word is breastplate. Everybody say breastplate. The second word is righteousness. Everybody say righteousness. We're gonna unpack those a little bit today. But first of all, let's just talk about breastplate. Because as I shared with you last week, the Apostle Paul was where? where? Where when he wrote this letter? Good, he was in jail. The truth be told, he was probably chained to a Roman soldier, okay? So he's looking at this Roman soldier and he's starting to write Ephesians 6. And he's using it as a metaphor. So he's looking at this soldier and he goes, wow, there's a breastplate. He said, put on the belt of truth, and put on the breastplate of righteousness. The breastplate of righteousness is something that protected the most vital part of a human body besides the head. Now we'll talk about that when we get to the helmet of salvation. But if you just think about your body, so let's look at it metaphorically for a moment. If you just think about your abdomen area, there's some pretty important organs there, agreed? You got your stomach and your intestines and all that. If you come on up the abdomen area and you get to the chest area, the breastplate protected the most vital organ in your body, which is the heart. Righteousness protects us. This breastplate of righteousness, and we're gonna talk about righteousness in two ways today, but first we're just talking about this breastplate, which is a protection. And it's a protection against lots of organs, but I wanna highlight the heart because I believe that is what the apostle 
Paul was getting at. Read this verse out loud with me, if you will. Ready? Go. Above all else, for everything you do, above all else, do what? For everything you do flows from your heart. And so what the apostle Paul is saying is you put on this breastplate and it's to protect and guard your heart. I don't have a lot of time to really unpack heart. I know sometimes we're a little unclear. Of what, what, what does the church mean when they say heart? What does the pastor mean? Like, I know I got this heart that's pumping blood in my body, but, but that's one thing. But there's also another understanding in the scriptures about the heart. And I just want to give you a quick little diagram and we'll move on. But your, your body, your life, maybe that's the way to put it, the totality of your life would consist of an interrelationship, if you will, between the soul and the mind and the body, okay? In the Bible, there's this central core, talking about the belt being your core support last week, there's this central core system that the Bible talks about in terms of your heart. And the heart is the thing that connects soul, mind, and body and enables you to live out the life and keep your heart pure, to keep your life in the direction of righteousness. I remember when I was in pharmacy school at the University of South Carolina, it's where I went to undergrad, and I was a pharmacy major. And I was actually in pharmacy school. So for those of you who are pharmacists, you know, I mean, you got to take all those science courses and all, I mean, I took it all. Physiology, anatomy, organic chemistry, biology. I mean, I took it all. I, I still vividly remember. And one of the things I did love to do was study the human body. One of the things I remember was the day that we studied the human heart. Fascinating organ in your body. And I don't know if you are aware of this or not, but there are rhythms of the heart. Healthy hearts have healthy rhythms. Unhealthy have unhealthy. You have a, a time of beating where the heart contracts and it beats. And then you have what doctors call resting periods of the heart. Or, I like this one better, feeling periods of the heart. Not feeling in terms of F-E-E-L-I-N-G, but feeling F-I-L-L-I-N-G. So when the heart rests, the heart fills with blood and you have to have a healthy resting period so that the heart can contract and the ventricles can pump the blood through your body. If you get an unhealthy heart and your heart's just going fast, 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 what doctors will do today is they will slow your heart down. They'll use medication to slow your heart down so that you have adequate filling periods, resting periods in between beats for your heart to contract properly. Like some of you right now, your hearts are golden. They're, they're beating really nice. Some of you, you had too many Red Bulls this morning. <laughs> that stuff will kill you. But the heart is more than the organ. See, see, I think as you think about that from a medical perspective, that'll preach. That'll preach. Come on, let me just, let me just go off for a moment. In our day and age, what we struggle with, we're just busy, 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 busy. I wish I had my phone. I pull my phone out. We're addicted to our phone. 
We're, we're, we're just go, 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 go. And our hearts, this kind of heart, does not have an adequate feeling period so that we can live healthy, righteous lives. This is really not where I'm going today, but I'll go ahead and say it. You know what some of you came to church for today? You know what some of you need? You know what will change the trajectory of your life? And I can say this because many times in my life I've had to get back to this. You know what would change your life, heart, mind, body, soul, and how you feel? is if you just slowed down every day. <sighs> Took a deep breath. Throw the phone in the toilet and flush it. No, just kidding. <laughs> Get rid of the phone. Go old school. I know you use your phones for your Bibles and so do I when I'm out and about. And you version, I said that last week, you version, you version, you version, download the app, unbelievable. But you know what bless you? is if you just every day, or as much as you could, three times a week, four times a week, you just pulled out the Bible and you went old school, pen or pencil, highlighter, maybe a journal, and you just let God, here it is, fill your heart with what? The belt of truth. That is what will change your life and what some of you came to church to hear today. One of my favorite quotes is from a man by the name of Dallas Willard. Dallas Willard said this, the secret to growing as a Christian <laughs> is to ruthlessly eradicate hurry from your life. It's good, isn't it? The secret is to ruthlessly eradicate hurry from your life. Life. That's the breastplate. It protects your heart. It protects your life. The breastplate. Now let's talk about what Paul does. And he puts the word righteousness on it. Everybody say righteousness. Okay, so I'm gonna need you to put your thinking caps on today because what I'm gonna do with the word righteousness is I'm going to do my very best to teach you that there are really two forms of righteousness. Two forms of righteousness. One is one that God gives us and plants inside of our hearts and our lives at the moment of salvation. And the other is what the Christian believer follower goes after after he accepts Christ and starts to grow in this arena of righteousness. Hope you're taking some notes on this. Everybody say imputed righteousness. I know it was kind of an unfamiliar word for you, so you kind of said it a little, little half-heartedly. I get it. But by the time we leave today, you're gonna to really get it. Everybody say it again. Imputed righteousness. Listen closely. This is what happens. It's the righteousness that is automatically deposited or imputed by God into the heart and soul of anyone who believes in Jesus as what? As Savior, so let me just explain this to you. If you're a Christian, if you're not a Christian, uh, this has not happened to you yet. If you're not a Christian, I'm really glad you're here. Welcome to New Hope Church. But if you are a Christian, if you know that you know that you have received Jesus Christ as Savior, I'll unpack that a little bit later, then what happens at the moment of salvation? Church, I mean, it's instantaneous. At the moment of salvation, God Almighty graciously imputes or deposits righteousness inside of your soul. 
You have a deposit from God that means that when you stand before God one day, when you get to the end of your life and you stand before the judgment seat of Christ, and let's just acknowledge this, we're all sinful, amen? I'm just like, I put my pants on the same way you do. I have my own struggles. We're all sinful. When I stand before God one day and I stand before the judgment seat of Christ, God looks at me and he doesn't necessarily see all my sins. If I'm a Christian and I'm in Christ, he sees Jesus. Moreover, the Bible says Jesus is on the right hand of God the Father. And so when you stand before God the Father, Jesus will be your advocate and he'll say, Father, she's mine. Father, come on now, where she belongs to me. Father, that's my son. He's accepted me. He is in us. And the Bible says that God will say, well done, good and faithful servant. Come in to the kingdom of God. That is imputed righteousness. It's you have done nothing for it except receive the gift of salvation. You haven't become a disciple yet. It is imputed. Some of you are like, Pastor, give me a verse. Give me a verse. All right, here we go. Same book, Ephesians. Same book, Ephesians 1.13. Why don't we read this out loud? Out loud, really strong. What's up, balcony people? How you folks doing up there? Doing good? Full balcony today. I love it. Here we go. Ready? Everybody together. One, two, three, go. And you also were included in Christ when you heard the message of the gospel of your salvation. When you believe, that's the moment of salvation, let's go. You were marked in him with a seal, the promised Holy Spirit, who is a guaranteeing our inheritance until the redemption of those who are God's possession to the praise of his glory. Come on, I got, a, I got an excited sister up here. Come on, that, that God, God does that. He just deposits into your soul the moment you're saved. You had nothing to do with it. He just gives you that as a gift. You are, some of you, I know this is hard for you to imagine, but you're righteous. Some of you are like, what are you talking about, Willis? <laughs> you're righteous. Look at your neighbor. Say, you're righteous. If you're a believer. If you're a believer. <laughs> if you're not, look at that person and say, you're a heathen. No, just kidding, just kidding. Don't you dare. Don't you dare. But you're righteous. This is, this, for some of you, the light bulbs are just gonna go off today. This is what it means when I say from time to time that Christianity is not about what you do. It is about what he has done on the cross. Christianity is not works righteous. You don't earn it. Christianity is a gift. And it's a gift that is imputed into the heart and the soul and the mind and the body of the believer. And they are righteous, not in and of themselves, but it is the gift of God, as Ephesians 2 says. So therefore, our job from the moment of salvation is to go out and live out that which God has already deposited in us. I say it like this. Write this down. This is so good. You can live righteous because you are righteous. You can live 
righteous. Some of you are like looking at me like, yeah, there's no way I can be righteous. No, no, no. You can be righteous. Not only can you be righteous, God's goal for your life is that you would be righteous and be holy. Like holy. Do you know that the Bible says, be ye holy as I am holy? This is imputed righteousness. We're talking about some thick stuff here today. So I don't want to move on until I know you got it. When I say get it, you say got it. Get it? Good. (laughs) Imputed righteousness. Here's the next one. There's two forms of righteousness. Embodied righteousness. Embodied righteousness. Everybody say it. Embodied righteousness. One more time. Embodied righteousness. Here's what that is. It's the actions, and I included the attitudes. It's the actions and the attitudes of anyone who actually puts into practice the righteousness that God has already deposited into one's heart and soul as he or she follows Jesus as as Lord. Let me just camp out here for a moment. When you read the New Testament, this is over and over and over and over again. The New Testament talks about receiving Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior over and over. And you might, you might have never thought about that before. Maybe you've read it and you're like, what does that mean? Lord and Savior. Follow me. Imputed righteousness comes into a believer, is deposited by God at the moment of salvation when they receive Jesus Christ as Savior. You say, what do you mean? Savior is understanding what Christ has done for you on the cross. Savior is understanding that Jesus's blood was shed for you there for the forgiveness of your sins. So October 23rd, 1988, I received Jesus Christ in a very tough predicament in my life. You got your own date, hopefully. At that very moment, I received Christ as Savior. I was trusting him to save me from my sins. And he did, and he has, and he will, and I was imputed with righteousness. Stick with me. From that moment forward, discipleship is growing and understanding not just Jesus as Savior, but Jesus as Lord. You say, what does that mean? The word Lord means master. Master. Faithful servants do what the master says to do. So I can receive Christ as my savior, seeing just as I am all the days of my life while I stay just as I am. I have nothing but imputed righteousness in my life. If I embark upon discipleship and following Christ in holiness and righteousness, God protects me and I grow in my understanding of Jesus as Lord, my master, one who blesses me, one who protects me. It's the pursuit of righteousness. And if I dare say so myself, it is terribly missing in the church today. Terribly missing. You've seen Christians who are Christians. Yeah, they're Christians. Using the words of Revelation, their name's written in the Lamb's book of life. They're going to heaven, but their life is jacked up. Have you ever been around Christians who, I mean, they they just never, they never grow in Christ. Look at what the Bible says about this. Whoever pursues 
righteousness, and love finds, anybody here want, want life to the fullest? Come on, show of hands. Oh, yeah. Balcony, you up there? Anybody want life? What about this balcony? Anybody here want prosperity? Prosperity? Come on, prosperity? Like, we don't know what to do with prosperity because you've heard me go off on prosperity preachers. If you're new here, I am not a prosperity gospel preacher with big hair on television. I'm not that guy, right? I do have a sweat rag up here if I need it. My brothers and sisters, my African-American brothers and sisters, they, they get me my own sweat rags. They do, they do. And they even get a monogram, dude. It's the bomb. Like, for, for African-Americans, you ain't preaching until you're sweating. Ha! Yeah? White people are like, don't sweat. You make me nervous when you sweat, man. <laughs> so, <laughs> but, but I'm not one of those prosperity preachers who say, send your money into the church and I will send you my sweat rag in the mail. And it'll come to your mailbox. And when it does, get ready for a windfall of money is coming your way. I got a big theological term for all of that. Baloney. It's not biblical. If you're not careful, prosperity will become an idol. And then you're into idol worship because you are using God to try to get that which you want. Another story, another sermon for another day. But because we're kind of fearful of prosperity, preachers, we have a tendency to kind of not really be sure whether we can admire prosperity or whether we want to be prosperous. Like just because some people have abused it doesn't mean all prosperity is bad. Like how many of you would like to have a little prosperity in your life? I'll raise my hand. Bring it on, God. Bring it on, bring it on, bring it on. Right? How many, how many of you like a little prosperity? That's what I thought. That's what I thought. How many of you like a little life? Yeah, yeah. How many of you like a little honor? How many of you like, come on, yeah, yeah. You, you, you want all these things, you, but, but, but you have to pursue righteousness. Do you see? You have to pursue righteousness. One of the reasons why some of you are so frustrated with Christianity is because you have accepted Christ as your savior. You've allowed him to impute righteousness, deposit righteousness into your soul. And then you've prayed for all these things that you desire in life and there's nothing wrong with your desires. Like single people, pray for your future husband. Pray for your future spouse. Pray for your future kids. Pray for your vocation. But one of the reasons why so many of you are just so frustrated is you've taken the first step. Then you've laid out litanies of prayer requests and you're frustrated because God has not answered your prayers. And one of the reasons why God has not answered your prayers is because you haven't pursued righteousness. You haven't pursued obedience. Oh my Lord, this, this is not even in my notes, but you, you don't wanna miss this. Obedience opens up opportunities of blessings. Obedience, like obedience matters. Oh, every time you, you don't have to see the road. You don't have to see everything that's out in the future. All you gotta do is take the next step of obedience. Whatever God leads you to do, whatever you hear from God's word, you take that next step of obedience and God blesses you and opens up opportunities. Then you receive those and you take the next step of obedience and God gives you more opportunities and blessings and favor. This is so key and it is so missing in our world today. Here's, here's another verse for you. Get you some of this. Blessings crown the head. Come on, pause. How many of you would like some blessings up on your head? Come on, come on. Bring it on, God. Bless me, bless me, bless me. Blessings crown the head of, oh, of the righteous. 
But violence overwhelms the mouth of the wicked. Righteousness matters. You want blessings to crown your head. You want God to give you favor. You want opportunities. You want prosperity. You want life. You want all the good things of life. Pursue righteousness. It's called embodied righteousness. Get it? So, maybe an illustration will help. Um, It's just a personal illustration that'll hopefully demonstrate. I think it'll bring together this idea of imputed and embedded righteousness. Um, I, I take my kids to school every day. Unless I'm traveling, when I'm in town, by and large, unless I stay up late one night, too late, whatever. But I, I almost always, I take the kids to school. My wife is amazing. She gets up early. She does all the other stuff in the kitchen and she gets them ready. And she, I mean, I don't want to paint the picture that she's not, she does all kinds of stuff. But my, my goal, my shtick has been to take the kids to school. And uh, I did it with the big three and now they're in college and I'm doing it with my little two. I've done this since day one. So I've been doing this many, many, many years. We live about... I don't know, eight, 10 minutes from the school. So we get in and we're just kind of doing our thing. Sometimes we're quiet. Sometimes we're jamming to music. Sometimes we're arguing, you know, all, the, all of the above. But, but when we get about four or five minutes from the school, almost without exception, I start praying over the kids. I don't, don't make me more holy than I am. I don't say, okay, children, let's hold hands and pray together. And I don't, don't worry, I don't close my eyes. <laughs> I just pray. I just, I, just, I just bust out and start praying for them. And they're used to it by now. Sometimes they get quiet and they listen. Most of the time now, they used to not. Sometimes they keep arguing, right? Sometimes they keep jamming out, right? But, but I'm just praying over them, praying, praying, praying. And here's what I'm praying. Praying, Lord God, be with my kids. Lord God, bless them today. They go to public schools in Chapel Hill. Lord, protect their school. I hope you're praying for the protection of schools in this area. Pray that the enemy would be kept at bay. I'm praying for the protection of the school. I pray for their principals and the administration and their friends. And then I get finished praying. And I'm usually about a minute or two from the school there. Again, don't make me more spiritual than I am. It's not like a long, long prayer. It's just a two or three minute prayer. But then I get finished with the prayer and I got about a minute or two left before I get to the school. And I start saying this over them. Boys, you are Kelly's. You remember who you are. There's something that comes with that name. You are young men of God, Joshua and Caleb. That's their names. You are young men of God. And I named you that. Your mother and I named you that so that you would live out what it means to be a Joshua and Caleb. You are leaders You are young men of God who are going to become leaders and change the world. I'm just speaking all these things into them that they are, that they're not even sure that they are yet. But that's not, not, if you're in there, it's not good. And I, I just keep speaking it. And then right when I get up to the curb, right when I get up to the curb and they're opening up the door and I said, now you go live out that which you are. And, and, then, and then they're like, all right, whatever, dad. And then, <laughs> <laughs> they used to do that. They really don't do that much anymore. But the seeds are being planted. What am I doing? 
Parents, you can do this. You should do this. Take pride in who you are. Take pride in your story. Start speaking things that are not as though they are. Start declaring the goodness and the grounding and the leadership and the anointing and the favor over your children. Not that they have to be it or earn it. No, 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 no. You are imputing it over their lives. And then you say, now you go and live out the destiny that God has called you to live and be. And guess what? Guess what? Guess what? If you raise them right, Proverbs 22, 6, you raise them right, they will become that which you have declared over their life. They will become the reflection of what they see of themselves in your eyes. Powerful. That is imputed. And some of that's just personal stuff, right? Kelly stuff or your last name, but it's so tied into what we're talking about. God looks at you and he declares you righteous. God looks into you and declares you intelligent. God looks into you and declares you beautiful. God looks into you and declares that you are a leader. God looks into you and declares that you will change the world if you will let him. And then he says, get out of here and go live it out. In the name of the father, right? And the son, and the Holy Spirit, it's, it's imputed and it's embodied righteousness and it is key. You know what this is called? Big word, I'm sorry, it's a churchy word, forgive me, but it's a good word. We don't need to sell out on all the, the churchy words. You know what this is called? Sanctification. Some of you have heard that word, some of you haven't heard that word in a long, long time. This is called Sanctification. This is what God wants to do. This is is what God does when he takes imputed righteousness and you then start to live out what you learn in the word, what you apply in the word, what what you develop as your spiritual disciplines. Sanctification is the act and or process of being made or becoming holy. Like God wants you to live a holy life. Now watch this. To sanctify is literally to set apart. That's what the Bible means when it says, as a believer, you are to live in the world, but not be of the world. To sanctify is to literally be set apart for God's purposes, thus making one holy or sacred. Powerful, powerful understanding. And I will tell you, a little overwhelming. I know I can see it in some of your eyes. A little overwhelming when you actually start to think that God really wants to make your life sacred. Like holy. Holy before a holy God. Church, there are plenty. There are plenty of believers in the world today who just believe in Jesus as Savior. They just believe. I dare say there are plenty of believers in this church. You believe. And and can I just break it down even further for you? If all you do is believe and you don't embody righteousness, if all you do is believe in God, You are no threat to Satan and therefore he is going to leave you alone. He's gonna leave you alone. I mentioned earlier some of the criticism I get for for talking about these controversial subjects. You know what? On my good days, not always. On my bad days, I can get down about it. But on my good days, you know what? When I take criticism, when I take hate mail, 
When one day we might show up around here, somebody's picketing this church, whatever. You know, I actually delight in that at times. Because I know that if Satan is coming at me, I must be doing something right. Come on now. And if you're like, you're like, I don't really get this series, man. I, 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 don't, I don't really know what he's talking about. I, I, I don't ever, I'll never feel any of that. I, I don't have any spiritual warfare. <laughs> the clue phone is ringing for you. <laughs> and you are no threat to Satan. But if you start living this stuff out, if you start embodying righteousness, you will pick a fight with the enemy. But if you gird yourself in the belt of truth, and if you follow him with righteousness, the victory is yours. You will live battle ready, and you will do great things with your one and only life. And you can say to Satan, like my brother does for his family, we kick thee into teeth, get behind us. We have no part to do with you. We are in Christ. Holiness will dominate this house, not evil. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. So if you're just a believer, I'm inviting you to become a follower. There's a big difference between a Jesus fan and a Jesus follower. Satan could care less about a bunch of Jesus fans. They show up on Sunday they sing. You might sing your head off around here. You might even look uber spiritual and raise your hands. And I raise my hands. I, I, I think we should. I, I think the Bible says raise your hands, shout to the Lord. But you know, you know, don't you? You can be in church every Sunday. You can sing your, your heart out. You can raise your hands. You can be the one-hander. <laughs> or you can be the uber holy ones. You can be the double-hander. Right? You can be walking around this place, man, or at one of these campuses and somebody come up to you and say, hey, how you doing, man? And you can be like uber spiritual. Hey, man, I'm good. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah, man. God's good. <laughs> you can do all that stuff. And I'm not, like, if it's, if it's legit, go for it. But you can do all of that and you can walk out of this church Sunday in and Sunday out and go from Monday to Saturday and your life never changes nor reflects the holiness of God. And if you do that, and if I do that, I'm not throwing stones at you. I've looked at periods of my life where I haven't been discipling people and being discipled as I should. If we do that, we become nothing less than a spiritual hypocrite. And if you're a spiritual hypocrite, the Bible has some challenging words for us. Like this is where I'm gonna end the message today by putting a lot of tension in the room. I'm okay with tension. You okay with tension? When I've been most enamored with tension, Holy Spirit infused tension, it's when God has shaped me and grown me the most. So I, the best thing we can do is welcome these kinds of moments when God is trying to shape us. And here it is, God's trying to sanctify us. If all you do is believe in Jesus as Savior, but you've never surrendered to Jesus as Lord, if all you do is you make yourself a Jesus fan and you never become a Jesus follower, 
the Bible, not binging, the Bible, the belt of truth, would say this. What good is it, my brothers and sisters, if someone claims to have faith but has no deeds? Can such faith save them? Good question. In the same way, read, read this with me. I want to settle into your soul. In the same way, faith without is dead. So I can have faith. All right. James would also say in the book of James, by the way, this is not up here, but even the demons believe. Did you know the Bible says, even the demons believe? What good is that? Might today be the day that you actually say, you know what? I'm done with just believing. I'm done with shallow believing. I'm done with being a Jesus fan. I'm gonna put my money where my mouth is and I'm gonna follow. You want another verse? Oh, see, I gotta follow the TV. <laughs> Integrity is what we're talking about. Integrity. Integrity is the state of being whole and undivided. The reason this is so important is because integrity is the state of being whole or undivided. When I have integrity, when I actually live out the faith that I profess, there is unity and there is alignment between my imputed righteousness, which is given to me by God, and my discipleship righteousness, my embodied righteousness, which I, when they get aligned, when I start embodying right righteousness that reflects the imputed righteousness, there is an integrity to my life. I am who I say I am. What I do in the dark is the same thing I do in the light. There is a wholeness. There is a unity. You, you probably know this integrity, the word integer, right? Integer comes from the word integrity. You might remember this from school. Integer, what is integers? Integers are whole numbers. Integers can be written without fractional components. They're whole. Integrity is when a person moves from being a fan to a follower. They, they move to embodied righteousness. There is a wholeness. There is an integrity to their lives. So very important. One more passage and we'll, uh, we'll be on our way. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. Remember I said earlier, if you're imputed righteousness, if you're a saved child of God, you're gonna stand before God one day. He's gonna look at you. He's gonna see Jesus, what Jesus did for you. Jesus is gonna say, that's my son. That's my daughter. And he's gonna say, well done, good and faithful servant. That's one response. Here's the other response. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only the one who does the will of my father who is in heaven. Many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord. And Lord means what? Show me you were paying attention. Lord means what? Master, did we not prophesy in your name and in your name drive out demons and in your name perform many miracles? Then I will tell them plainly, I never knew you. Depart from me you evildoers. Now, if you're anything like me, you read that and you're like, oh, snap. <laughs> I, I better make sure I am who I say I am. 
I better make sure I'm developing. Here's a key word. We don't like this word. I know we don't like it. Discipline. Spiritual disciplines. Reading the word of God. Applying the word of God. Being changed day by day in the image of Jesus so that my embodied righteousness, my breastplate of righteousness is lined up with my imputed righteousness. And when I do that, God blesses the man or the woman who walks in righteousness. I'll end with a little story here, um, a little illustration. And I'm just gonna tell you right off the bat, I'm still in this from Priscilla Shire. Priscilla Shire is an amazing woman of God out in Texas. And Priscilla Shire uh, is great woman of God teacher. And uh, she comes from good blood, man. Tony Evans is her dad. And I've been a big Tony Evans fan for a long time. And if you don't know, I might get in trouble for saying this, um, there's a women's Bible study at four o'clock on Sundays here at the Durham campus that my wife is leading and another great woman of God in this church. And it's at four o'clock. It's in the student ministry center. They've been busting at the seams. So they might not have room for you, but I think they'll fit you in if you go. And I might be in trouble. Um, Priscilla, Priscilla showed this. I've been watching her stuff. It's just so good. Priscilla, uh, she, she, she did this and um, I thought about putting this on. What do you think? You want me to put on a dress? Heck to the no. Um, and, and by the way, like if, if, if Maximus was dressed uh, most accurately, he would actually have this, this on each week, right? But I don't know about you, but I think he looks better in Under Armour shorts. Than, 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 but, but my point is that the soldiers wore tunics or robes, right? And um, so... Last week, if you'll remember, I talked about the belt of truth. And you'll remember I said things like the belt of truth gives us, um, what was the first one? Stability. Remember that? It gives us stability. And then I said the, the belt of truth gives us direction. I said the belt of truth gives us identity. Again, if you didn't get this, you really need to go pick this up. And then I said the belt of truth gives us freedom. Remember that? What I didn't show you is like if they were to have this on, and women will really get this because you, you wear dresses. Um, if you wear a dress or you're a Roman soldier uh, in the first century um, and it wasn't weird for you to wear a dress. Anyway, um, they, they, would, they would do what women do when they wear dresses. Like women, if you're stepping upstairs and you have a long dress on, what do you do? You lift it up. You lift it up. That's right. And what they would do, and this is what I, the point I made last week. I just didn't have time to unpack it more. When, they, when the soldiers would start running in battle, or when they would need to move quickly. What the soldier would do is he would take the tunic, it was really more like a robe, and he would lift it up like a woman lifts a dress, and he would gird it in the belt of truth. In doing so, it gave him great freedom. Now, take the message that I'm talking about today, righteousness. If you're gonna become a person who pursues righteousness, and you're gonna become a person who becomes like Christ Jesus, then what you have to do is if you have to take the different areas of your life. So my assistant helped me with this. We just, we bought a robe and then I said, cut it up. And she cut it up, she cut it up. So you have these different areas of your life. This is what it means to pursue righteousness. You take the different areas of your life that you're needing direction on. You run to the word of God. You find out what the word of God says. You don't just take one verse. That's proof texting. You learn to read 
holistically the word of God. You learn to be a great, faithful reader of the word of God. And when it comes to an issue, and this is the great thing about today, I mean, you can go online and search issues, right? And it brings up all the Bible verses. You read it. You then take that issue, whatever it is, and you gird it in the belt of truth and you then live out that righteousness. Righteousness in plain, simple terms is nothing more than you knowing the word of God, living the word of God and meeting God's standards as they are laid out in the word of God. So let me give you an example. Let's see a few examples. All right, you ever, you ever got somebody in your life and you're like, man, God loves you, but I'm, I don't know. <laughs> I'm trying. You know, you ever, you ever, or you know that person at work, that, that person at work, that person at work that, that like you just have images of, you know, just blowing them up, right? <laughs> <laughs> you, you, right? You, you, know, you, you, are, you know, that awkward person at work, you might not have those images, but it's the awkward one. And they're always left out. Nobody really speaks to them. And you know they're lonely. And you know they're probably depressed. And you know it probably stinks to be them. Love. What am I gonna do? What does the Bible tell me about love? Oh, 1 John 4.20. 20. 1 John 4.20, let us love brothers and sisters. For if we say that we love God, but we don't love people, we're a liar. You see it? I just, I just took love and my heart that can be hard and I submitted it to the authority of scripture. I became one step more holy. Oh, here, here's one, here's one. Um, here's one. Whew. All right, we're going to go there. Um, what am I going to do with my tongue? What am I going to do with my mouth? If I'm a Christ follower, you know, God has some things to say to you about your mouth. And you know that, that the Bible speaks about all kinds of things. I could talk about drama. I could talk about this. I could talk about gossip, which by the way, we can use prayer as a means of gossiping. Oh, sister, did you hear what she did? We need to pray for Sally. Did you hear what she did? <laughs> you are gossiping. But I don't want, let's not talk about that. Let's talk about, let's talk about just what, what we do with our mouths, what we, how we speak. I must tell you, as I meet Christians today in this day and age, I find myself more and more appalled I mean appalled at the cursing and the vulgarity and the crassness that comes out of their mouth. I'm talking about pastors too. Like you're like, really? Yeah, I'm talking about pastors. And if you're out there and you're watching this, as so many of you do every week and you're a pastor, you have to do business with scripture. Like James 3, 9 where James 3, 9 says that we praise God. We praise God with our mouths and we curse at the same time. And James says, that shall never be. So you, you say, okay, well, if I'm a Christian, how am I going to use this tongue to praise God but bless God and bless people in righteousness? Or am I just gonna become a Christian who talks like a sailor or a pastor who says things that should never come out of a pastor's mouth? What have I done there? I've taken 
language, which can be a stumbling block for many. I've girded it in the word of God. I'm one step closer to righteousness. I know it's tense in here, but stick with me. I'm wrapping up, I promise. Money. Money. Oh, so let's get, let's get the money one. Money. What am I going to do with my money? I'm a Christian. I've said he is my savior. If I'm going to walk in holiness and righteousness, I'm going to run to the word of God and I'm going to come upon verses like Malachi 3.10, which says, bring the whole tithe into the storehouse of God and see if I will not bless you protect you and pour out so many blessings on your life that you will not have enough room for it. Who wants blessings in their life that they can't even count them or take them? Money? Oh, I got 100%. God says to honor him with the tithe. I gird that up into the belt of truth. I'm one step closer to holiness. I'm becoming a disciple. You know the word disciple is nothing more than a disciplined follower of Jesus. Do I got any more hanging down? One more, one more. Oh, I hear the pastor of the church talk from time to time about this thing called baptism. But you know what? I don't really want to get baptized because like, I don't know. What about my hair? What about my makeup? I just don't know about, I don't know about going into the water. Well, what if, what, what if they don't pull me back up? <laughs> or I, 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 I can't swim, I don't know. Oh, I'm gonna run to the word. And the last time I checked, Mark 16, 16 says, believe and be baptized and you will be saved. Oh, what, what did I do right there? I just girded myself up in the belt of truth and I'm one step closer to righteousness. May it be so for us at New Hope Church. May we never be a church that kind of does the smorgasbord Christianity. I'm just gonna pick a little bit of this. Oh, I'll take me some prosperity. Bring it on. I'll take me some love. If it's the right person, bring it on. No, 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 no. May we, may we put on the belt of truth. May we put on the breastplate. And you might notice the breastplate is supported by the belt of truth. This is a heavy breastplate. If a soldier were to wear that around all day long, they would start to bend over like that. It would be very, very hard. The breastplate rested on the belt of truth. May we be a people of God where our righteousness goes before us. It's not back here, beloved. Our righteousness goes before us. May we gird ourselves in the word and the belt of truth and may we be a holy people. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. And amen. Pray with me. Father, um, Father, I pray for my brothers and sisters here today. Father, if we talk about righteousness, I know that 
if we're not careful, it can just be a burden. Thank you that the righteousness, first of all, starts with you and that it is a gift from you and you just deposit that into our souls and into our lives. Father, I pray for the believers here today that, that maybe from this day forward, maybe for the first time, Lord God, they will declare, you know what? I'm done with being a fan. I'm gonna read the word. I'm gonna hear the word. I'm gonna apply the word. And I'm actually going to start to become a righteous person. Not perfect, but a righteous person. A person who still occasionally sins, yes, but when I do, Lord, I'm gonna come before you and I'm gonna truly repent. I'm gonna pray for a tender heart, God, not a hard heart so that when I fall short, there's contrition, Lord, there's, there's brokenness. May I be broken in all the right places so that I'm continually coming to you when I fall short of the glory of God and I'm, I'm repenting, I'm turning from it and I'm asking you to give me more righteousness, give me greater Holy Spirit, give me a mind and a heart and a body to interpret scripture and live it out. So maybe you're here today and you just need to say, Lord, Lord Jesus, I know you're my savior, but I want you to be my Lord. I'm sorry of my sins. I repent of my sins. And I receive your forgiveness. And I continue to move towards holiness, righteousness before you. Beloved, if you just prayed that, that's a special, powerful day for you. Now may you go and live it out. May you go live out the identity and the righteousness that God has already put inside of you. If you're here today, you've never become a Christian. To your recollection, you don't know that God's ever really deposited righteousness inside of you, imputed righteousness. You gotta start there. And if that's you, why don't you just pray a simple prayer saying, Lord Jesus, I receive you. I receive you as Savior. I trust the blood that you shed on the cross for me. Forgive me of my sins. Deposit that righteousness that was discussed today. And Lord, may I walk out of this place today embarking upon a discipleship journey that will result in my embodied righteousness, my lifestyle. May it reflect that which you've already put into me today. I receive you as Savior. I'm gonna try to follow you as Lord. Father, we pray all this in the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen and amen.